Awesome. Um, I called Mike this week and said, hey, I can come and play. And he says, who are you? <laughs> it's been a while, but uh, I'm so just thankful I can come back and uh, praise, sing praises and lift the name of our God up this morning. Uh, I love the line in that song is in, uh, where he says, in the presence, we're all made new. We come in here this morning with scars and brokenness and all these things in life that are happening to us. And in his presence, all those are made now. So celebrate with us this morning this amazing God that we have. Let's keep singing. is late. 
indescribable. Indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable. All strong, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. is amazing. Amen.
God, everything uh, I once held dear, I counted as loss. Thank you for the cross, Lord. <laughs> I uh, said it over and over again, but I look at myself, I look at the things I've done and, and the, the ways I've rebelled and the ways we've all rebelled and wonder why, <laughs> why you want any part of us. But uh, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I praise you. I thank you for the cross, Lord. Because by your shed blood, we're made whole. We can actually be in your presence. We can know you and be known by you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. You are worthy, Lord, of all praise and honor and glory. Hear her praises as we sing. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love Whoever gives and pleads for me My name is graven on his hands My name is written on his heart I know that while in heaven he stands No tongue can bid me thence depart tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him who made an end of all my sin because the sinless Savior died my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with Himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. One in Himself. One in Himself I cannot die. My soul is perfect. 
back to the verse, the first verse. In our hearts, Lord, in this nation, awakening, Holy Spirit, we desire, awakening. Sing that again. In our hearts, Lord, in the nations awakening Holy Spirit we desire awakening is that really our heart's desire this morning? I, I hope so I don't even know what that looks like honestly in the world we live in but that is our prayer and it can be done by the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in the, in the hearts of the world. Boy, do I want that. Let's sing that one more time together. our desire, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Kingdom kids, you are dismissed. Ages three to third grade, head right out those doors. they go. Good morning, saints. Glad you're here this morning. Some really good worship songs this morning, right? Yes. Yeah, they really were. They really were. I even heard it after the first song. I thought I heard a whistle, like somebody was all excited. Well, we don't want too much of that around. Yes, we do. It's appropriate to enjoy God, and uh, it's our It's our purpose in life, really, if we get our things in order, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And uh, if you're not enjoying Him now, you're going to have a radical adjustment when you go into forever. So you ought to get on it now, right? You are. Okay, good. I have some announcements, but before I do, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and uh, we're going to receive the offering, and I think we're able to that much multitask by putting a check in the offering. What is it doing? Is it snowing out there? What is with this weather? I thought spring had come. Not this week, right? 
Sorry about that. I looked out and it looked like it was snowing. I was like, I know I need help. Okay. Can you join me in prayer this morning? Let's pray. Lord, I was um, taken, taken back a little, reminded of what it cost for you to put us in order. And our songs were singing about that. A lot of those songs, uh, including one hymn that hard for me to believe I didn't know completely because I know quite a few of them, but talking about what you did interposing your son on the cross so that our sins could be dealt with once and for all. I was pondering as we were singing how casually we saunter in before a holy God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we are often so distracted. And I think of uh, my brother Dan, who serves the Lord up in the Binghamton area, who taught me how to pray, Lord, help me. And one day as we were praying, pondering that event in the Old Testament, which many of my brothers and sisters here have recently read because we're in the Bible together, when people arrogantly dared to bring strange fire before a holy God. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and annihilated them. I remember my brother praying, Step back! Step back! Lest you be consumed by the holy love of the living God. And as we were singing this morning, that reality that every one of us, really, we could have walked in here today. If you were present in all your glory, we would have been annihilated. Not one of us would be alive. Except that that glory and that holiness and that demand for righteousness was satisfied on the cross of Jesus. And that's our firewall. That's why we can stand in your presence. We don't deserve it. We're not all that much more cleaned up. But, Lord, you have imprinted upon us the righteousness of our Savior. You've done it without violating your standard. You're still the same holy, righteous, living God. And as we sang awakening, Lord, we need first in the church an awakening to your holiness and your profound love. Someone has summed up theologically, how do we describe God? Holy love. Lord, let it filter down on us. Help us. We need a working of your spirit. You've been stirring among us, and my prayer continues this morning. Don't pull back from us, Lord. We don't deserve your mercy, but please extend it a little further. Don't pull back from us until you get your way here. We pray for your help today. Thank you that you call us into discipleship, into obedience, into sharing in your purpose. You don't need us. You don't need me. You don't need anybody in this room. I mean, we think we're pretty cool. But you don't need us. 
And yet you invite us into the amazing journey of participating in advancing your kingdom and your purpose. I want to thank you that you not only invite me in, you promise me that everything I lay down for you, I'm going to get payback when I see you. So help people to have eyes of faith and true belief to know what really matters. The things in this world are passing away, but the word of God endures forever. And you endure forever, and your kingdom is eternal. And Lord, I want to invest there. Help me. Help my brothers and sisters today. We contribute to your purposes. Receive glory and honor to your great name, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask it, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you. If you would be so kind, uh, we'll receive the offering. Thank you for waiting. You find folks at the door. Some announcements very quickly as our brethren are, are uh, gathering up your tithes and offerings. Uh, one, today after church, what's going on? Besides, is there a ball game today? I wouldn't know. Is there, I don't, we're having our annual meeting, amen? Oh, yes, Pastor John. Okay, everybody okay? No? Sorry. You need the sun. I'm sorry, I can't help. Lord, hear the request of our sister. There's probably more than just one asking for that. We need the sun. I love the cold weather. I'm sorry, I liked it. This was a great last week, weather-wise. Our annual meeting is in the sanctuary following the service. If you are a member, please sign in. At the back, we're going to save some confusion here by having a sign-in. You get a um, ballot in your hand. Take it with you. If you're not a member, you are welcome to stay and see what happens. If you're thinking about becoming a member, I encourage you to stay and see what happens if you have the time. We're going to try to make it as crisp as we possibly can. So there's a sign-in. Make sure you do that. Uh, there is a child protection training for teens. All teens. Any teens in the room? Oh, come on. Come on. everybody. Who's, who's not here today? I know. Oh, that? Then why am I announcing it here? <laughs> moms, moms and dads, pass this on. Child protection training for the teens that work in the nursery. It's a streamlined thing they need to be exposed to uh, for kingdom kids and nursery. If your child volunteers in either area, they must attend. Hear that? Must. This training will be age appropriate. The meeting will be Sunday, June 3rd at 9. So you come to church, they get it all done that morning, okay? Sunday, June 3rd. Please call the church office to sign up. Also, in a minute, we're going to welcome some new members into our fellowship. That's always fun, right? And uh, we have, yes, that's, thank you. Did you get coaching on the way? No, it's a, thank you. We will have a baptism service because there'd probably be more, except we've got people waiting in the wings for baptism. So if you need to be part of that, you've accepted Christ, you know what it is to have his spirit working in your life, and you haven't yet marked yourselves in the water, yourself in the waters of baptism, and here we do, according to what the scripture says, uh, immersion, uh, the picture of agreeing with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, Come talk to us. Talk to Jody. Call the church office. Get on the list. I need to interview you to prepare you for that and make sure that uh, everything is copacetic. Okay? So that's coming in the days ahead. If you're in the Daily Bible, and I hope you are, uh, I'm up to my birthday. 
Nobody cares. I thought, it was, I thought this was really funny. I opened up, my, I've got the electronic version. I'm up to October 22nd. That's my birthday. Guess what the subject is? John the Baptist. Amen. That, I, I, that surely means something. I don't know what, but it surely means something. So if you're in the Daily Bible, you should be up to page 1130, 1130. If you're reading the e-book, you should be up to September 2nd. And look at the bulletin for other announcements, okay? All right. Any questions? We good? All right. This morning, I want to welcome into our assembly some new believers, uh, new, uh, new members, rather. I have to use this microphone. And guess what I forgot to do? You knew that. Where'd the ushers go? Yes, you could. You, yeah, yes, you could. Now everybody knows. So, it's a sign of health in a local assembly that some growth occurs. And I believe a lot of times churches excuse themselves in ways that aren't healthy. They'll say, um, well, we're growing spiritually. Well, if I'm growing spiritually, I should be growing physically as well. In other words, there should be new people coming into the fellowship, new people coming into the faith. Those are the kind of things we want to see happen. So, some folks have come to recognize their involvement at Harmony and want to be part of it. And so I'm going to ask some people to come forward in just a minute. And like I said, there'll be others that are waiting in the wings uh, for the time of baptism and then participation. Let me just say, to come to Harmony, you don't have to be a member. And uh, we're in a culture today that is very anti-joining, just in general. And uh, so I tend to appreciate it since we are Operating under certain bylaw, etc., we require membership to make decisions about the long-term future of the church. Your uh, leadership, your uh, budget, how we're going to do business here, it's the responsibility of members to weigh in. And so that's why today, if you're a member, we're encouraging you to, to participate in our business meeting today. You can serve here. I tend to hold back from giving a person a leadership position of any kind unless they're committed enough to say, I want to be part of the fellowship. That's just kind of a no-brainer, if you ask me. So these people, some will be coming for a while and just uh, receiving from the Lord and maybe healing up depending on their background. Others will be jumping in. And eventually, everyone who says, this is where I want to be part of the fellowship is saying, I want to receive ministry in this place and I want to participate in the ministry. I want to leave my mark as well. That's what we should be doing. So let me ask these folks to come forward if I could. And one family is not here today. I wish they were. And that is Corey and Jessica McGrail, whose daughter is on the world race and will be coming home very soon. So I'm sorry to miss them. But they're already members. Uh, but I'm just not going to give them the right hug of fellowship today because it'd be really long distance. David and Nikki Clower, newcomers to our fellowship. Come on up. Please hold your applause till the end, because <laughs> we'll show appreciation for everybody. Lloyd and Lynn Maurer, returnees, if you would. Corey and Jess McGrail can't come. Juvie Reisert, who's been a part of our fellowship for quite a while. We're glad to have her join. Diana Revoir, who has returned. Where is Diana? She's just been through some hard times. We're glad that she felt uh, accepted here. 
and uh, ministered to. And then Lori Sauer. If Lori would come on up, appreciate it. And uh, let me just say one thing that was kind of fun. I was interviewing Lori, and uh, she said, you know, I've been to some other churches, and people actually knew my name here <laughs> and made me feel welcome. So whoever you were, way to go and keep it up, keep it up, because we need more and more of that. So we want to welcome these folks. Um, I'm going to ask members of the, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Members of the MLT uh, in a minute to come forward and give them a hug, a right hug, the fellowship as I call it. And uh, I'm going to just give them their, uh, this your David, right? Here's nothing. I think I knew that. Boy and Lynn and Juvie and Diana and Lori. I'm going to give everybody a hug. Welcome. I'm going to ask the team to come forward. Glad to have you. Thank you, guys. Wait till the team comes through. We'll let you return to your seats. And uh, it's always an encouragement to see some addition, right, to... I wrote in my uh, report for today's meeting that um, I'm going to do this so you don't have to listen to them. Uh, you know, that to see where we are from where we started five years ago, I think we have reason to praise the Lord, don't you think? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As soon as you're done being hugged, you're allowed to go back to your seats. Thank you, everybody. cute kids. They are. I became Uncle John in the last week, so John the Baptist, Uncle John. Pastor. It's a lot of fun. Thank you all. Welcome. And of course, they're part of your church family now, and so you have opportunity to minister to them and have them minister to you as well. Thankfully, you going to be okay? This last week, a uh, little bit of chaos in my life, including a family death that uh, took a whole day out of my life because I had to pick up my mom. That was an ordeal because of the tornado that landed over there. It's just been crazy. So I thought, I'm going to find the person on our team who has the least happening in his life. <laughs> I was encouraged by Mike one day. He said... Praise the Lord, God has brought people to us who can minister the word of God. And uh, I appreciate having a team behind me when I do have weeks like this that have been so chaotic. We've got to move out of our house, I told you all that, and, and then this last week. So I did ask Tim, and he said, sure. And I said, are you really sure about this? Because, like, you know, I can come in and wing something. You just make something up. But he said he would. So I'm going to say thank you, Brother Tim Strait, our youth pastor, for coming to open the Word of God right. to us today. Let's welcome thank him. Thank you. And I'll close out if you want. Yeah. Can you take this? Yeah, if you don't mind. That'd be great. Oh, no, no pulpit. See this? No, I know. I'm See sorry. This? I can't. I feel anchored down. I don't like I to do it. I got to. He's trying to make me look bad. <laughs> 
I am, yeah. Well, I, I, have, uh, I have 30 minutes. Pastor was very clear. First he said I could go to 12.30, and then he said uh, 11.15. So if that clock is right, you left me with about 30 minutes. So we're Baptists. It's, it's a polite suggestion, 30 minutes. No, really, um, thank you. I just want to say thank you all for the... Uh, Awesome support that you've given to my wife and I over the last couple of weeks. Um, we do have Evangeline with us today. Um, so she's hanging out up here. Um, hopefully she doesn't cause too much of a fuss. Um, but she probably will, but that'll be all right. She doesn't know any better. So a little sin nature. No, thank you. Again, thank you for your... Uh, support um, these last couple of weeks. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, so this morning, just to kind of keep in um, consistency with uh, this idea of grace and the study that Pastor John's done and, and, and Dave's been a part of and, and Derek's been a part of, I thought, um, am I still on for next week too? Oh, sorry. Yeah. This is a two-part thing. So this morning I want to... Uh, sorry. Um, I want to talk about grace... To works, and this morning, what I want to talk about is the whole idea of good works, without really going into, hey, what exactly is a good work? That'll be more for next week. So this week, all I really want to do is kind of put these building blocks in place to see, hey, when when the light comes on and salvation is real and there is a, a transformed life, there is a result for that. We're going to be in the book of James today, in James chapter 2. I'm going to uh, read a verse, just a minute, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll jump right into it, and I will do my absolute best to stay as focused as possible so that we can get uh, through everything without having to be too late today. So grace to works, and if you have your Bibles, if you turn to James chapter 2, verse 14... And it says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for who you are. Uh, thinking through this morning with worship and, and everything that's happening in all of our lives, man, we can be some really busy people. So, Father, I pray for this next little bit of time that you would um, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts. Uh, calm our spirits, help us to focus on you, focus on your word as we uh, kind of figure out what it means to have this Christian life and, and how it impacts not only us, but our church and the outside world as well. So Father, speak through me, help me to speak clearly, and uh, Lord, just be with us today. So we ask these things and commit this time into your hands. Amen. So the main thing we're going to look at today is we're going to come up with this idea of what is this thing? Can that faith save him? Faith without works. How does it all kind of start to tie in together? And the main thing we want to look at is is really this isn't a contradiction. We're not here to say you have to work to be saved. That's not what James is saying. We're going to tie some scripture into it. But before we get there, the point of today is to really stop to kind of take a look at us. To evaluate the nature of our actions, our actions, what we do, how we behave, and whether or not these actions are active fruits. It's fruits, it's proof of an active faith. James is not talking about how we get saved. He's talking about what is the proof of your salvation. 
So as we talk about grace and how it's free and how it's been used and how it's instrumental in our lives and coming to Christ and all the studies that Pastor has done with us, now we kind of have this mindset of we have this grace, it's impacted our lives, what does it look like, what do we do with it? Is there evidence of it? Our faith should be dramatic. It should be something that impacts every facet of our lives. And we're going to look at some verses in a minute, but it should be lived out. It definitely has to be a part of who we are. Living a life that has spiritual fruit, not just a little bit, but all the spiritual fruit that we can. This is a real good example. It's a good um, evidence of whether or not we have a true, healthy relationship with Christ. True and healthy. Some of us in here have a true relationship, but it's not healthy. There's a difference. I will get some pictures and play a little game. Can you see what that is up there? What does that look like? Pain. Teddy said pain. Yeah. That looks like pain. But what is it? It's weights, right? What does that represent to you? What do you think of when you think weights? Teddy, pain. Yeah, strength, right? Working out, exercise. If uh, I, you could probably guess that Tim does not work out regularly, <laughs> I've come to terms with that. It's totally okay. Oh. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. See, that's. That's why I What's it represent? So working out, weightlifting, exercise, right? And if we are working out and if we are exercising, there is an expectation that comes with that. I know for me, I have a real hard time giving up soda. Soda is like my my kryptonite. My wife's already shaking her head. She's, "Mm mm-hmm. I I, I don't know. I, I like soda. If I stop drinking soda, I will work out, I'll exercise more. I don't know what it is. It's just it's not a part of my diet. I start to lose weight. I feel better. But the more I work out, the more I exercise, stuff happens. I have a little bit more endurance. I can breathe a little easier. My cardio goes up. I'm stronger. There's evidence of that. How do you know when someone's not working out the right way? Tiny legs, right? We don't like the, you skip leg day, never skip leg day, right? So whatever, you know, if someone were to come in here and they were like this, they had little chicken legs, you'd be like, this guy, I don't really think he's doing what he's supposed to do. Why? Because there is an evidence of what he's doing. That's right, don't skip leg day. Yeah. Next one, please. What do we see? We got a guy studying, right? What do we expect from studying? Knowledge. If I'm studying for a math test and I study the right way, what am I, what am I expecting when I go in to take that test? I'm going to pass, right? Now, I'm not saying I'm going to get 100. I'm just saying if I study the way I'm supposed to study and study the best that I can, I'm going to walk in there and expect to get a passing grade. If I spend all my time studying for my history test and I walk into my math class and I go, oh... It's a math test today. Is that studying going to be helpful at all? No, it's really not. So we can understand expectations. In your bulletins, there's, there's that one line. It is expectations. We got one more expectation. What is this? It's a time clock. How many of you have jobs? It is an old time clock. I know now we do it on our phone. I see Lisa's like, what is this? We don't use those anymore. 
Mm. Now we punch in on our phones and computers and all that fun stuff, but it represents a job, right? If I walk in and I punch that clock every day, 40 hours a week, and Friday comes, let's say I work for Mr. James Danella here, and I have 40 hours a week, and I come in on Friday, what am I expecting? I don't know. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I don't know it's not the right. I'm expecting a paycheck. I put in my time, I put in my effort. We understand expectations. We understand them. Would it be okay if I worked three weeks and then he said, I'm not paying you? No, we would be like, that's not right. That does not meet my expectations. The point is that we understand what expected results look like. And this is what James is saying, because ultimately, if we can understand this when it comes to lifting weights and studying and punching a time clock, we can understand this on a spiritual level. So what do we think are expectations for someone who follows Christ? What does that look like in your life? What does it look like in my life? What proofs or results would you look for? What would you look for? Anybody? We, this is, we got enough time to... Studying. studying. Personal study, right? What else? Fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. Ben's just going to take it all. <laughs> fruits of the Spirit, right? What else? Is that it? Just studying and fruits of the Spirit. Service. service. Ooh, service is a good one. Attitude. Where's Connor? Attitude of gratitude, right? Attitude. AOG. Attitude. What else? There's a whole bunch. I mean, we could probably, everybody in this room could give a different one. Prayer, reading the Bible, service, spending time in church, worship, fruits of the Spirit, loving my neighbor, loving my enemy, uh, taking care of the people that abuse me. There's a whole list of them. We have a whole bunch. And this is the point that James is trying to make to us in this verse when he says our, our text here. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith really save him? This is um, rhetorical questions. Do you guys understand what a rhetorical question is? It's not necessarily meant to get an answer, more maybe like an emotional response. What James is saying here, is his faith worth anything? Is it, is it just words? Is there substance to it? James, he's talking about people that claim to follow God, but there is no evidence, there is no result, there is no life change, there is no desire change, there's no heart change, there's no mind change, there's absolutely zero transformation. I'm a Christian, oh God, I serve him, I follow him, but there's no evidence of it. And this last statement, can that save him? This talks to our authenticity. Are we truly what we say we are? And we've used the example before, if, uh, who, uh, my wife could answer this, am I a mechanic? (laughs) You didn't have to be so emphatic, you could have just gone, no, you try, I'm not, I'm not a mechanic, right? I know nothing about cars, I don't even, I can't even fake, you know, like, fake it till you make it, I can't even do that. If someone pulls up, they're like, oh, check this out, I'm like, oh, tires, yeah, and they're like, they, I had a really close friend of mine who uh, lived down the street, and he bought this new Impala. And uh, no, it's an Impala. It doesn't sound like, but it was really cool. And he put a new engine in it, and a turbo, and a this, and he's showing it all off. And like, this is blue and shiny and chrome. And it's like, man, what do you think? And the only thing I could think was, 
that was like $15,000 of engine parts, man. I'm like, wow. That's all I could wrap my head around. He's like, yeah, but I got like uh, 500,000 more horsepower and, you know, I can do I'm like, all right, man. Mine turns on. Like, I honestly, I don't nothing. I can't, I couldn't even pretend. If I were to walk into a car show, they would know right away, this guy does not belong here. Why? There is absolutely zero evidence that I know what I'm talking about. There is no evidence at all, like, don't touch the car. I'd be leaning on the car. No, you're supposed to not touch it. You're going to smear the paint. Like, I... Our attitude, our actions, these are all reflective of what is transforming our lives. Is our faith real? Is there a result to it? Is there something that is holding us back? Is there something that is keeping us from really achieving what the Spirit is trying to do in our lives? Not just on a personal level, because we're gonna, I got a couple little objects to try to do that are gonna hopefully maybe trigger some, some thoughts in our minds. But realistically, if I'm being transformed by God, it is going to impact not just me. We've said it before. It's gonna impact my wife. It's gonna impact my kids. Hopefully it's gonna impact my kids' friends. It's gonna impact the school. It's gonna impact my job. It's going to impact the people I rub shoulders with. It's going to impact the people that I'm standing next to in the grocery line. I went to uh, get donuts yesterday. Um, the kids wanted donuts. I say whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that thing about working out? So my wife wanted donuts. All right, no, I'm just, I wanted a donut. We went to Daddy's Donuts, and I'm standing there, and ordered some donuts, and I paid for them. I was getting ready to pay for them, and there was a whole line of people. And um, I also ordered a, 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 a breakfast sandwich, but that's beside it. So they didn't charge me for the breakfast sandwich, but they ordered it. So I said, are you sure that's right? And he goes, yeah, 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 uh, 1075 or whatever. I was like, I think you forgot to charge me for the breakfast sandwich. And he's like, no, no, I got it. I'm like, are you sure? Because I really feel like that should be higher. And there's people behind me going, what an idiot. <laughs> that's a free sandwich, man. And then, you know, I just had to stop. And he goes, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. I was like, listen, doing the right thing, you don't have to thank me for that. And I had an opportunity to talk to him. He's a young man. Uh, he's a senior in high school. And I said, hey, listen, if you have time, you want to come hang out with us? We have youth group that meets. We have this. I said, you know, there's a reason why people are good. There's a reason why people choose to do the right thing. And while I have a whole line of people behind me going, that could have saved you $4.37, like, I didn't walk, <laughs> so I walk out of there, and then someone comes, oh, that's the guy that got the free sandwich at the thing. See, this is going to impact this on levels that we don't understand, we never even think of. Um, yeah, I'll save it, that'll get me. No, I'll, I'll save it, my wife is awesome, she's amazing. She, uh, I'm coming into church, and uh, I was like, ah, oh. she's like, slow down, there's no need to rush. I was like... I just want to pass people. I want to get to where I'm going. You know, I'm like, I... mm." She's like, why? Slow down. Relax. And I'm glad I did, because honestly, I don't know who was in front of me, but they pulled into the church parking lot. Yeah, so a genuine faith represents a real relationship with Christ. There is real, <laughs> there is real tangible proof. 
And by tangible, it's evident. You can experience it. You can touch it. You can be involved with it. James, uh, if you haven't studied the book of James, or if you're just looking for a fun read-through, James is one of the absolute most practical books you can read in the Bible. Every time he gives a lesson, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you an example. So he takes verse 14 and he gives us an example. He says, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them that what is necessary for their body, what use is that? And then he says, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. It's useless. It's worthless. That's not even a point to have sticking around. You know, what's amazing about this is this is kind of an echo of what Jesus said. Do you remember back when he's talking about the sheep and the goats and I was sick and I was poor and I needed this and I needed that and I was hungry and you helped me out? And they're like, we don't remember that, Jesus. And they're like, well, if you did it for them, you did it for me. He says the same thing to the other group. And they're like, when did we see you like that? Like almost as if he was going to give them a different answer. He says, you didn't do that for them. You didn't do it for me. There's no realness to what you're saying. There's no conviction to it. There's nothing worth holding on to. Um, air fresheners, right? They're nice. My wife gets them. And from Yankee Candle, you guys know what I'm talking about. So um, there was one time, I know, she's like, oh, he's doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> air freshener. And she opened it up, and she, put, she opened the whole thing up, remember? And she put the whole thing out. You're supposed to let them out in little bits at a time, right? And the car smelled amazing. It was amazing for like two days. And then it was just pretty. It was worthless. There was no point to it. And it's not, it's not a shot at her. It's a shot to say, are we the air freshener that's just kind of dangling from your mirror? There's no worth to it. There's no value to it, except for the fact that it looks like a jar candle with apple spice on it. There's no point to it. It's not serving an impact. It's not impacting your car. It's not impacting your life. People get into your car and it smells like Whoppers. And you look at the air freshener like that. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense because that's exactly what our spiritual lives look like. We're a dead air freshener just kind of hanging out there. Faith without works is dead. It's useless. It's by itself. There's no point to it. James uses how we meet a person's basic need as his example here. So we have expectations. Then we have the example. This is a really easy one. Because how many of you have come across someone who is without clothing or in need of daily food and we've just kind of... I've done it. I'm sure I'm not the only one in here. When we lived in Newburgh, we would get off on 9W, is that what it was? And I would purposely try to stay in the middle lane. Because every day or every other day, there was someone sitting on the guardrail with a sign. The most basic principle, love God, love others, and I can't get over that. And I'm not trying to like guilt you guys into giving money to the homeless guy on the street. I'm asking you, can you be intellectually honest with yourself and say, sometimes... 
my faith is dead and it's by itself and it's worthless. Right? If I pull up to that guy and roll down the window, hey man, look, I'm praying for you. Good luck. Hey, we meet at Sunday if you want to come hang out at church. He's probably going to think, uh, I just want a cheeseburger, man. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But there's something I could have done. It's probably something I should have done. Hopefully, if I'm in that situation later, I'm like, I'll give you what I have. If I got 50 cents. Hey, it's not much, but it's something. I don't know. I'm not sure what that looks like for everybody. Again, love God, love others. This is basic stuff. I mean, this is like the bare minimum. Like, this is like, how do we treat each other? Let's, let's forget about a stranger on the street. Let's like look to our right and left. Maybe look behind us. How do I treat that person? How do I treat this person? How do I treat Jay? How do I treat Mike when, you know, Mike is being Mike? <laughs> Mike's usually good, so... Again, James 2, 17, that's what's highlighted. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. This is uh, it's a put your money where your mouth is. Do you really have this evidence of faith that's inside of you or not? So this is how it ties in with grace, and I guess this is the exhortation part of it. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Ephesians, you can. It will be up on the board. You don't have to. But Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, most of us have this verse memorized. Right? It's part of the plan of salvation, seven-step plan, or whatever it is you learn in Awanas. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is not in contradiction to what James says. James isn't saying you get saved by faith. or saved, Sorry, he's not saying you get saved by works. He's saying your salvation produces works. And this is what Paul says. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for... Good works. We are created to produce evidence. We are created, we are given this grace with an expectation that you're going to do something with it, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Grace, that's the process of salvation. That is what God has done for us that we don't deserve, that we walk into this relationship with God, we enter this transforming relationship, and there has to be evidence. If you read the book of John, you can read about all the people that Jesus comes into contact with. And when they have a real, true, face-to-face experience where they have like, hey, there's something real about this guy. There's something, I don't know, but this is, this is life-changing. The woman at the well runs off. You've got to come see this guy. He told me everything I've ever done. Like, this is, this is it. He runs into Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to see him at night. And then by the end of his relationship with Nicodemus, Nicodemus is standing at the end of it all saying, I want the body of Christ. And you go through, read all the different Gospels. The the demon-possessed man, he casts the demons out and he says, I want to spend time with you. How is that impacting our lives? A couple of quick things before we close. How can you tell if an apple tree is an apple tree or not? Because it's got fruit. Are we, how's our fruit on our trees? What's the problem with claiming an apple tree when it's not an apple tree? You don't get what you want. 
But it's just, it's not an apple tree. There's a beautiful tree out in the front. And if I, it's an apple tree. Climb all the way up and get apples. You're going to be like, dude, um, that's a maple tree. How do we know? Well, the leaves and the color and the size and all this evidence says it's a maple tree, Tim. Like, duh. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. It says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is what Jesus is saying to his followers. This is what Jesus is saying to you. You will know them by their fruits. You will be known by your fruits. I'm a follower of Christ. What's your fruit look like? Right? You've heard, we don't judge, we're fruit inspectors. This is what Jesus said. You'll know them by their fruits. You'll know us by our fruits. There's a lot of people that claim that they're Christians. There's a lot of people that claim that, hey, I'm a servant of God, I'm a child of God. But are we really true followers? Do we have a real impact? Is there something changing in our lives? Is there something spurring us to like this, this level that we just won't face on our own? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is, again, I, I really like using the paraphrase stuff just to kind of drive home a point. And I've got two things highlighted on here because I'm going to ask someone to come give me a hand real quick, maybe two people. This is what happens when we live God's way. He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. And we're going to wrap up here really shortly, but I need like two people to help me real quick. It can be like kids. I don't, Ben, you can come up. That's fine if you want. I'm not, I'm not. I need one more person. Yeah, awesome. This is great. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you to come over here and hold the bowl. So, uh, I'm going to ask you to hold the towel. Okay. If you could hold the towel over the bowl, I would appreciate that. Because this is the, this is, this is, you know, this is what I think when we think about permeates, the holiness that permeates. Is that permeated? Why? But that's okay. That's all I want. That's all I get. That's not permeated. That's, um, sometimes I go to prayer meeting. Sometimes, sometimes, Jim, I read my Bible. Occasionally, I witness. Hmm. 
Can you hold the, I'm gonna pour a lot of water in there now, but if you can hold it, yeah, that'd be over the bucket. I don't wanna get water over before I get fired. Appreciate it. You're pouring in the wrong spot. I know. What this means is, watch, if I'm gonna be really permeated, it's my, my life, my kids, my wife, my job, my church. I'm sorry, Ben, I'm sorry. But can I tell you something? Listen, you know, it's funny, and, and Ben's getting a little wet, and he's probably going to hate me later. But you know what? If my life is permeated with the Holy Spirit and the gospel, guess what? It is going to impact somebody else. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Here you go. Can I tell you, whether he likes it or not, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact his life. All I'm saying is, as we close, there is a difference, right? We have an understanding, permeate, it means to saturate. It means to soak up every bit of our lives that we can. And seriously, if we're permeated in holiness, it is going to impact somebody else. Next week, we'll get a chance to talk about what exactly are good works, This is just simply, hey, there's an expectation of good works. This is an example of what they kind of look like. And here's the exhortation. Is your relationship with God like that towel and that pitcher of water? Is it sticking? Is it impacting somebody else? Or is it just a little damp? I can't answer that, but you can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today as we close. And we move on to the next portion of our service. But Lord, we pray that you would just work in our lives. Lord, that you would find uh, ways to allow us uh, to let you permeate our lives. Lord, that you would just saturate and soak in and just take all of us. Lord, help us to get out of the way of that. And Lord, push us to good works. Push us to holiness. Push us to love. Push us to care. Lord, push us to take it serious. We ask these things in your name. Amen. All right, so I have to use better visual aids next time. Probably water balloons will work. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pray. Uh, We're going to take 15 minutes so you can sign in at the back where find Jody. Make sure if you're a member you get your ballot and then come on back and Lord willing we'll be all done about noon and on our way. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? So let's pray. God, thank you for the reminder there's a difference between having just a little Jesus religion and having you lively in our lives. Uh, Lead your people, God. Continue to fan to flame the smoldering wicks that are among us where uh, there's a spark there that needs your breath blown on it so it bursts into flames. And we'll thank you for doing a work here. Guide us in the session that's about to come. Those who have to go, put your angels around them. We'll thank you, God, for your safety. We don't take anything for granted today. In the great name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed, and uh, you can go and come on back.